book study. I don't want to start a new series. Uh, these are kind of standalone messages until, until I get to vacation, right? Because here in a couple of weeks, I'll be gone and be praying for, and I, I have a really good idea of where we're going once I return from vacation to go throughout the fall. But until then, I've just been praying and looking at at the life of Christ and just praying for God to give us something that can apply to us here and now, to all of us. Whether, whether you are strong in your faith or you are far from God, all of us can hear this message. So in Luke chapter 19, what I found is Jesus' mission statement is actually summarized by his own mouth after this interaction with Zacchaeus. Do you remember the story of Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree to see all he could see. I didn't go to Sunday school as a kid. Uh, that's just all I knew. But whenever Zacchaeus climbs up into the sycamore tree, he is wanting to inquire who this Jesus is. He's hearing about Jesus. He's seeing Jesus. He's hearing reports about what Jesus has done. Therefore, Jesus is coming to town, right? Zacchaeus climbs up in the tree. So if you have your Bible, Luke chapter 19... And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead, climbed up in a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked and he said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. For I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and he came down and he received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. They all grumbled. Why? He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a what? Sinner. Man, Jesus really irked the people, did he not? Time after time after time, he finds himself interacting with in the company of reclining at the tables of, sitting by, listening to, speaking to people like Zacchaeus, who was a what? Sinner. Zacchaeus stood and he said to the Lord, Behold, behold, Lord, the half of my goods that I give to the poor, half of my goods, I I give it. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it, what? Fourfold, four times. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, a crook of crooks, a criminal that was, some may say, he struggled with little man syndrome. Right? So he was going to boast in his short stature by truly imposing his power and authority given to him through the Roman government by betraying his own people to rob people right before their very eyes. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, therefore he was really good at being a criminal. He was a criminal of criminals. He was a crook of crooks and he is in the presence of Jesus, right? And what does he say? Half of what I give, I just give it to the poor. And if I have ever defrauded anyone, if I have ever robbed anyone of their goods, and if I have done them wrong, what does he say he's going to do? He's going to pay it back how many times? Four times. I'm going to pay it back fourfold. Now, what's interesting is how this one little man, this wee little man, in one instance in the presence of Jesus, is radically transformed. Isn't that the good news? That you and I can be in the presence of an almighty God instead of him condemning me to hell where I truly deserve. He offers himself to me so that I could be radically transformed. So once I was once lost and dead in my sins and trespasses, now I can be alive and raised to life. So here we go. We have this interaction with Jesus and Zacchaeus. He says, I'm going to give everything to the poor. I'm going to repay it fourfold. And then 
Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. That is, that is the moment in which you and I truly are able to find salvation when we recognize that apart from Christ, we are wretched beings. But with Christ, we can be alive and we can be His people. That is the moment. And that's why I always tell people, whenever God convicts you and reveals to you how sinful and broken you really are, instead of that being condemnation to Him, that's an actual beautiful gift of His grace to reveal to you just how much you need Him. So if you find yourself convicted by the Spirit of God, convicted by the Word of God, or even the people of God speaking into your life, and you feel the conviction of your sinfulness, of your brokenness, it's not God condemning you necessarily. It could be an extension of His grace revealing to you just how wretched you are apart from Him. But He could take someone like you and redeem you and transform you and make you new and give you joy and give you life. Like that's a beautiful power of His grace. So whenever I find myself convicted and feeling unworthy, yeah, it's because I am unworthy. But it's also possibly an extension of his grace offered to me to remind me that even someone like this, even someone like you, even someone like me, because of my brokenness, because of my past, because of these poor decisions, because of these immature things that I've done, I can still be forgiven. I may not be a robber like Zacchaeus, but I am a sinner just as he was. Are you not? Are we all not? Therefore, we can all be redeemed. So here's where I really want to land home today. He says, salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. Verse 10, for the son of man came to what? Seek and to save the lost. The mission of Jesus summarized by himself in this one verse, 19 verse 10, for the Son of Man came to what? To seek and to save the lost. So I want to start with the latter of that part, the latter of that phrase, to save the lost. Surely you know by now that you and I cannot save anyone. I cannot save you. Your mother and your father cannot save you. Just because you're born into a Christian home doesn't mean that you are saved. Right, We discussed that last week, that you and I are simply justified by the redemption work of Christ. That's it. It doesn't matter how your parents raise you. It doesn't matter what kind of upbringing you have. It doesn't matter how much Bible your mom and dad know. It doesn't matter how often your grandparents pray for you or take you to church. You and I. So what breaks my heart, though, is that you and I have people that we love dearly that may reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even though you desire for that person or those people to be saved, the reality is, is they can reject that gift of salvation. As horrible as that sounds, there are people that I love that may reject the gift of salvation that Jesus offers to them. And if I could, I would save them myself, right? I mean, don't you have people that if you could do anything to save them, you would do it? But we can't. Only Jesus can save people. So our responsibility isn't to try and save people, although we should constantly try to point people to Jesus. We should constantly try to preach to them, to pray for them, to pray with them, to speak the truth of God's word to them, to not, you know, cater to their beliefs or their things or condone their actions. Like there might be friction in these relationships and with these people because you are trying to see them saved. But we can't do it. And that might be why we have so much discouragement when it comes to witnessing to other people. Well, they wouldn't listen. Why would anybody else? Even Jesus couldn't convince everyone to follow him. So who are you and I to think that everyone's going to just follow us? 
or agree with us. So we see this mission statement to seek and to save the lost. You and I cannot save anyone. I have four girls that God's entrusted me to bring up and to raise in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And I believe wholeheartedly that they're going to come to faith in Christ. And I'm going to do everything I can to preach to them, whether it's from this pulpit or sitting next to them on the couch or driving in the car, whatever I have to do to preach the full word of God without taking anything from or adding to to preach the whole counsel of God to confront any kind of cultural issues. Like I'm going to preach the word to them. I'm going to pray with them. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to plead with God to have mercy on them and to draw them to himself. But that's all I can do. I cannot save my four girls. God can, though, through the redemption work of Christ, regardless of how good they are or how bad they get, he can still draw them to himself. So I'm going to do everything I can to see that happen. I'm going to plead with the Lord on a daily basis, God, please please just draw my girls to you. That's what I long to see. So my question for you is this. I have two questions today. The first one is this. Who here desires to see people saved? I mean, if you, you and I, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask two questions today, and these two questions are going to be a church evaluation to see what kind of church we really strive to be. What kind of church do we really strive to be? So here, just raise your hand. I'm going to ask you to get uncomfortable. Raise your hand and hope you put deodorant on. If you desire to see people saved, I mean, just raise your hand. Okay, you can put it down. I desire to see people saved. I do. I long to see people set free from the bondage of their sin. That's not just destroyed their lives, but it's broken marriages. It's it's fractured relationships with kids. It's maybe cost them their finances or their careers. Like, I long to see people set free from the bondage of their sin. I desire to see that. And if we are to be God's children, if we are to be the reflections of Christ here on the earth, then you and I are called to participate in the mission of Christ. What, what's that phrase that we know? The great what? Commission. Because you and I cooperate with the Spirit of God to fulfill His what? His mission on the earth, which His mission was to seek and to save the lost. As Jesus was ascending into heaven, He told His disciples what? You are to be my witnesses where? Just to the religious? Just to the church house? Oh, no. He said, you're going to be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, and then you're going to go to Judea and Samaria, and then you're going to go to the remotest parts of the world. Even those people that do not know me or do not live like me or do not love me yet, you're going to go there. So the question is, do we desire to see people saved? I long to see people set free from addiction. I love to see people. I long to see marriages restored. I long to see children raised in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord, to see generations impacted and changed. That's what I desire to see. Now, if we desire to see the latter, we have to discuss the earlier part of that phrase. To seek and to save the lost is the mission of Christ. Right? Another account, Jesus is confronted with the religious leaders and he said, after he calls Matthew, or you might know him as Levi because he was part of the Levites and that was his work. He was supposed to be working for the Lord, but he had sold his right to be a tax collector. Therefore, he was even more of a traitor to the people, Matthew or Levi. And Jesus calls Matthew out of the tax booth and then he goes to his house. Remember the story where he's at the house and the, the religious elites are like, who is this man who dines and eats with sinners? Well, in that account, Jesus says, look, 
I did not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. I did not come for those who are well, who need no physician. I came for the sick. So in this account, if you and I desire to see the, the lost saved, we have to also address the earlier part of this mission to seek the lost. So here's my second question. Do you and I truly desire to seek the lost? Do we desire to truly seek the lost? Now, you don't have to put your hand up yet because let me address something that we can all, all fall victim to. Isn't it comfortable to come in here and sit by people that we know and just sing songs? You know, Brian and the worship team do a great job of leading us through songs. I mean, it's kind of comfortable to know that we can come in here. We know who's going to be in here. We might have invited them, and now they're here, and we're going to sit in the same spot. You know, we're going to sit in our inheritable spot, and we're going to pass that on to our kids, and they're going to sit in the same pew or, this, you know, close to the same area. We're going to, you know, we're going to dress the same. We're going to know who sits back there, and I know who's not at church because no one was in that pew, and... and it, so on and so forth. Isn't it comfortable to know that you and I can come together? But here's the danger. We can establish a religious elite society of people that appear to have it all together. Maybe they do, or they at least get really good at faking it and fooling us into thinking, well, we go to a pretty good place. Everybody, you know, everybody's got it put together. That's the danger of not truly seeking the lost. Because what we could do is we can just continue to Build what we are doing, and I think God has tremendously blessed us here. But if we aren't careful, we will get so comfortable in what we are doing now that we will have no desire to humble ourselves to the work that God may have next for us to truly seek the lost. Because this is comfy, isn't it? Let's just be honest. Who's comfortable today? It's comfortable. I love coming here. I know who's here. I know who's not here based off whenever I preach, I'm making contact and I know that so-and-so is not here because they may be on vacation or they may have overslept or they may have watched Netflix too late and therefore they're catching up. Like all of these, like this is comfortable, is it not? But Jesus didn't call us to be comfortable. He didn't call us to just grow comfy and we know who's at church and everybody appears to have it together or they've just got really good at faking it and and, and they are fooling people into believing that they have it all together when they are spiritually dead, trapped in sin and constantly living in brokenness. So the question is, do we truly desire to see people saved? Absolutely. Every hand went up. Do you truly desire to seek the lost? And that's a question, if we were to be honest, may cause us to get a little uncomfortable. Isn't it? Have you ever sat down with people that don't believe in God and tried to tell them about God, but then not get mad whenever they try to rebuttal you? I mean, have you ever done that? Have you ever heard someone call you a, I mean, every name in the book, or just kind of discredit the faith that you and I have when we will die for Like, I will die for the name of Christ. But to hear somebody rebuke him or reject him or, or chastise me because of my belief, like that's not comfortable. But Jesus was oftentimes found reclining with in the presence of interacting with people like Zacchaeus who were known as what? Sinners. So do you and I truly desire to seek the lost? Because if, if you remember the story of Jesus and his disciples as he saw the people He told his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are what? Few. Something I said six years ago, I'll say today. The reason that 
that is, and it's true today, the harvest is plentiful. Look in this city, for example. Look in Potosi. Do you not see people that need to be saved from sin? Do you not see families that need to be restored? Do you not see drug addiction need to be broken? Do you not see one thing after another that needs to be redeemed by the grace and the power of Jesus? I mean, we just look in our one city. We have people in this church that come from different areas, not just here in Potosi. If you look in your city, or here, here's another one. We want to get a little bit closer to home. Look at your family. Are there not people in your family that live far from God? Are there not people in your workplace that reject the gospel of Jesus? Is, are there not people in, this, in, in your school or in your classes or in your work office space or in your family, in your friends group, on your Facebook page? Like it, the harvest is plentiful. Trust me, there are many people that need to be reached by the gospel message of Jesus Christ and to be set free from the, the captivity of their sin. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers were few in Jesus' day just as the laborers are few in today's day. Why? Something I said six years ago that really resonated because I thought it was kind of cool, catchy phrase, I'll say today, because too many people are loitering in churches and not laboring in the fields is why you and I constantly grow more and more comfortable as we should be growing closer to Christ. And the closer we grow to Christ, the more uncomfortable we should actually become. So what happens? We come and we can, we can sit here comfortably and we consume and we can consume. But when it comes to seeking the lost, well, I'm not capable of doing that. Or you might say, well, I don't know the Bible well enough to do that, Right? Did you know that there is not one person in this place that knows the scriptures entirely? So if we were to base our biblical knowledge and every answer of the scriptures to be our means of going and seeking the lost and reaching the lost, we would all be inadequate. We would be all incompetent. None of us could ever do it. But here's the beautiful, beautiful thing. All of us are here today because someone sought us because someone walked in step with the spirit of god and reached us in one way or another they brought us to church they prayed for us they prayed with us they loved us they wrapped their arms around us they showed us what it looked like to live for christ not just to desire to see people saved, but to willing to sacrifice of their time and of their resources to see lost people be brought to jesus So my question is, are you and I truly walking in step with the Spirit of God? And are we surrendering ourselves completely to the work that God may have for us? Because here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at the mission field that God has placed you in. Look in your family. Because let's let's follow the formula of Jesus and his, his apostles. He says, you're going to be my witnesses here in Jerusalem. And then you're going to go to Judea and Samaria. And then you're going to go to the ends of the world. Now, those people didn't necessarily reach the ends of the world themselves. But the message would be carried from. Carried from them to the next generation, to the next, to the next. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to examine the mission field that you are in right now. Are you willing to be uncomfortable to sacrifice of your time and of your resources to seek those in your Jerusalem. This is your family, your close friends groups, the people that are in your circle. Are you willing to sacrifice of yourself to seek them?
but they don't live like you. They may not vote like you. They may not think like you. Their ideologies may not align with yours. Are you willing to go there and to seek them? Because I'll be the first to tell you, there are different groups of people that we could just completely write off. Are there not? Let's be honest. In our own human nature, people that don't vote like me or think like me or live like me or operate like I mean, if we're not careful, we can just write them off completely. Well, <laughs> surely we can't reach them. But they may be in your family right now. Those people may be in your family or in your friends groups right now. And their own ignorance is what's causing them to live so far from the Lord. Because they do not know the abundance of life that he can offer. They do not know personally the salvation that he can grant them. They do not know the love and the joy and the peace and the spirit of God to live with it. They do not know it. And because of their own ignorance, they find themselves apart from God. So are you willing to sacrifice of yourself to seek them? There, those people. Now let's reach out a little bit. Are we willing to sacrifice to our Judea and Samaria? These are our people in our workplaces that are far from God. These are people that we may not interact with on a daily basis, but we do communicate little from here to there. Are we willing to seek them? Are we willing to seek them? Are we willing to humble ourselves, not make it about us or take everything they say offensive because they are directing it to us? Are we willing to humble ourselves and truly fulfill the work that God has called us to in seeking the lost? There is not one person in this place that was not at one time lost in their sin. Not one. But all of us can be found. And thank God that he's used vessels like you and me. Vessels like our parents, our grandparents, our friends, our neighbors, our uncles, our aunts, or strangers that have reached us and brought us to him. And then to the ends of the world, are we as a church focused on seeking the lost? So as we discuss this and as we consider it, you know, obviously I said before in the past, if you've never done anything uncomfortable for the name of Jesus, maybe you've done nothing at all. If I've never been uncomfortable for the name of Christ, maybe I've done nothing at all. Let me just ask you, are you willing to get uncomfortable for the name of Christ? Because if you truly want to live for the rest of your life saying, okay, I'm going to seek and to see the lost saved. Not that you can save them, but I'm going to seek them with all that I have. I'm going to humble myself for the work that God has called me to do. I'm going to pray with people that vote differently than me. I'm going to sit around a dinner table and speak to people and, and minister to people that view the world completely different than I do. I'm going to humble myself, and I'm not just going to build some kind of religious establishment here of people that have it together or appear to have it together. I want to see the lost saved. If that is our mission, because here's what happens. Like I said earlier, you and I can grow so comfortable by knowing that this family's here and we're going to sit by this family and Brian's going to sing three songs, maybe have a special. Dave's going to play the guitar. Tim's going to, you know, wear, you know, smaller shirts, make his arms look big. And, and uh, all of these things that, that you and I enjoy. <laughs> I better not go back that way. I'll come back. <laughs> but... You and I can grow so comfortable here. We can grow so comfortable. I mean, it's this is nice. The air conditioner's on. Thank God for B.J. Smith. Fixed it last Saturday night at like 9 p.m. 
the air's on or the heat's on. I mean, we just come and we sit. We know it better not be more than an hour because we've got to get there. We've got to go, right? We can just grow so comfortable. But here's what I want to ask you. Are you willing to be uncomfortable for the sake of Christ? Because he was uncomfortable for the sake of your soul. Willing to humble himself before Pilate to not even open his mouth like a lamb led to the slaughter. And then to be crucified on my behalf. You think that was comfortable? No, he was willing to be completely uncomfortable and vulnerable for people like you and me to redeem us and to save us from our sin. And shame on me and shame on you. If you and I just desire to see this place full with the people that we know, people that vote similar to us, people that we can talk to, shame on us when there is a full harvest to be had. When there are people in your family that do not know the Lord. When there are people in our city that are bound to their sin. So let me just ask you, what do you desire to see in yourself and in this place? Let me just share a couple of things and then we'll wrap it up. I desire to see people passionately worshiping the Lord. I mean, passionately serving the Lord who can testify that I once was lost, but now am found. I want to see people who were once bound to sin, literally walking around spiritually dead, be raised to life in Christ. That's what I desire to see. I love to see you. And if you are here, I want to reach two people that are here today. If you are a Christian, I want you to continue to come here so that you can grow deeper in your faith. That's what I desire for you. I desire for you to continue to come to be equipped for the work of ministry. Did you know that's my role? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. To not build some kind of social platform for people to just grow comfortable in where they are. The work of ministry is hard at times. The work of ministry is uncomfortable. The work of ministry is sacrificial. The work of ministry is challenging. So if, if I'm doing my job, you are going to continue to come here growing in your faith and being equipped to leave here and to seek the lost. If I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. But here's what I desire for all of us. If you are here and you're the Christian, that's what is, what is that I desire for you to come week after week after week. And it may be comfortable at times, but I pray to God that you will surrender yourself fully for the work that he has for you. You'll grow in your faith. You'll grow in your understanding of the scripture. You'll know who it is that he's called you to be. That's what I desire for you. And if you are here and you are not saved, I pray that you continue to come until the mercy of God lands you on your face. That's what I desire. Now, what's very dangerous in churches today, and maybe even in the American church as a whole, is to shut the doors on people that God is calling us to bring in. And it's shame on us if we ever... Tell people, well, because of the way you live, the way that you think, the way that you vote, you're not welcomed here. So my prayer is that all of us would grow in our faith, would come to know Jesus more and more, but that you and I would be the vessels of the Lord to truly seek, to pursue, to love, to hold, and to bring to Christ those that are lost. Let's pray.